Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to invite all of us to turn there. And Our Wednesday evening services, we will be continuing teaching on the Holy Spirit. This morning, we want to continue our series on discerning the Lord's body. It's important that we understand that spiritual things are revealed to us progressively. You don't gain all the insight and revelation that you need to be successful and victorious overnight. It's not educating our minds either. It is educating our human spirit. Our human spirit has been born again. And the spirit reveals unto our spirits, the Holy Spirit that is, the deep things of God. You can know something in your head, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's in your heart. When it gets to your heart, it becomes a part of you. I find myself saying things from the pulpit by revelation because of the gift, the anointing that God has placed upon my life to bring forth utterance in the Holy Ghost. And then I find myself going over some of the things that were spoken and then finding out that those things become illuminated or illumined to my mind afterwards. So you see, it's important, beloved, that we realize it's not an education of the mind. It's revelation in the Spirit. And that is the difference between faith and mental ascent. It's not something that I agree to with my mind. It's something I know in my heart and something that I know in my heart that I act upon and becomes a reality in my life. That's what faith is all about. We've had many uh, so-called ways to explain or define faith. Many, I say, are counterfeits. We end up in, you know, getting involved in, in uh, mind science religions, positive confession from the standpoint of the mind science religions. God's not a mind. God's a spirit. We find even believers so desperate to get help in their life, they turn to... to and please don't misunderstand me. They turn to Christian psychologists. God's not a mind. God is not a mind. Your help is not in the mental realm. Help is in the spirit. God is a spirit. The word divides asunder between spirit and soul. God is a spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. They don't become life in your mind, but in your heart. God does not want to appease us. God does not want us to live and just smooth things over. He wants us to get into the spiritual realm and blow the devil apart. I mean that. And just destroy circumstances. And reign as a king in life through your spirit, your recreated human spirit. So just because this is our fourth lesson on discerning the Lord's body, it doesn't mean we know all there is to know. I know more right now than when I preached this this. Last year, 
I'll know more next year. Should Jesus tarry? And the longer he tarries, the more I'll know. Hallelujah. That's why in this particular assembly you don't find us celebrating the Lord's Supper every week. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29 and 30 will tell you why. Someone might say, why didn't you bring that out before? Well, we did. In what light we had. But I've got more light today. And you have more light today. And you'll have more light tomorrow. The path of the just is as the shining light that shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. The day of maturity. Full development. For the perfecting of the saints. The light upon the path of our life becomes brighter and brighter as we become perfected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, we will reiterate a few points and we'll go further. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, in verse 29, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning, not discerning, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, or this is the reason, this is the cause, for this cause, we emphasize this, for this cause many are weak, sickly, and die prematurely. Father, we thank you for your word and the anointing upon your word. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for utterance. Dear Father God, to bring forth the word and demonstration of the Spirit and power. And I thank you for ears that hear and minds that are open and hearts that are receptive as we now yield ourselves to receive from your precious, glorious word in Jesus' name. Amen. This message is so important because for this cause, many, many, not all, but many, are weak, sickly among you and die prematurely. We emphasize the fact that improperly discerning the Lord's body can cause weakness, sickness, and premature death. But yet many have never realized that or recognized that. Well, I believe it's time that the body of Christ recognize that. Amen? And realize that. Here we have a specific reason why many die prematurely, why many are weak and don't get their healing. But yet we've neglected it. Not endeavoring to dig deep into it to find out all about it. Well... In our studies, we found out that there's a twofold meaning or understanding concerning discerning the Lord's body. Number one, His literal body hung on that cross. His body was broken, His blood was shed. And we have to discern that. It's more than just that statement. It's understanding that He who Himself bare our sins in His own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live the righteous with the stripes, we were healed. It's discerning His blood was shed for... Mankind, it's discerning his body was broken for our physical healing and then it's exercising or appropriating faith in this atonement, the body and blood of Jesus. And if you want the full understanding, Isaiah teaches us that his body was broken for our physical healing and for our emotional healing. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we're healed. Talking about healing our emotions, giving us peace of mind. So it's understanding its provision for the complete man, spirit, soul, and body. Man is a triune being. He is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body, and redemption has provided for him perfect health and healing and eternal life. Spirit, eternal life, soul, peace of mind, and body, bodily health and healing. 
Well, on the other side, and this is the side we want to really emphasize, and that is the spiritual side to discerning the Lord's body. And that is, the body is a living organism of love. Paul talked about, in chapter 12, the body of Christ being the church. For the church is the body of Christ. We've thought in terms of a body like a body of water. Or just like a a massive body of people like at a football game. Or any sporting event. That might be a body of people, but that doesn't mean there's a unity of people. They may be united in one purpose to come together. But unity is of the Spirit. And so we find out that what he's saying is when we gather together or all of us are members in the corporate body of Christ. And he says we must discern this fact that we make up the corporate body of Christ which when it comes together becomes the individual body of Christ in our midst. And so we have to discern that and understand that. If we don't, we're going to miss out. Very quickly, I want you to run through these scriptures with me. If you can follow along. If not, just write them down. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Once we've been saved, once we're born again, by the Spirit we're baptized into one body. And 2 Timothy 1 9, this is so important for all of us. It says, who hath saved us. Now, we believe that part. He has saved us. And we say, I'm saved. But also, it goes on to say, and called us. He has called us with a holy calling. Not only are we saved, we're saved and called. We are saved and we are called with a holy calling. How? According, not according to our works, but I notice this, but according to His own purpose and grace. And we want to define these words in a minute. According to His own purpose and grace. We want to define what He's saying here. We think of grace as just being God's unmerited favor, but every time you find the word grace, that's not what He's saying. Paul talked about grace being His apostleship, His position in the body. According to the grace of God given unto me, he said, and he's talking about his apostleship, the calling upon his life. And in this, the context of this scripture, he's talking about we've been also called with a holy calling, and that's part of the grace of God, calling all of us. There are those in the body of Christ that will say, I'm not called of God. I mean, I'm born again, but I don't have a specific calling upon my life. Yes, you do. If you're saved, you're called. Now, go on back with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. Another scripture we brought out, called to do what? Well, here. Everybody is called of Jesus Christ according to the purpose of God. And we must understand this to discern the Lord's body properly. If improperly discerning the Lord's body means weakness, sickness, and premature death, we said that properly discerning the Lord's body means strength, health, and long life. Anything of that importance, you know, weakness or strength, health or sickness, long life or premature death, anything of that importance, as far as I'm concerned, should impress us to look into God's Word and find out how to obtain it and achieve it. 
He's saying right here in the book of Romans 1, verse 6, among whom, also ye, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. We're all called. Everybody say to me, I am saved. I am called with a holy calling according to the purpose of God and Jesus Christ and according to His grace. Now, the easiest way to enter into this is by understanding there is a general purpose and there is a specific purpose. A general purpose and a specific purpose. Generally speaking, in verse 7, we're all called to be saints. Look at this verse. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. The calling to be a saint has responsibilities and duties. Since we're all called to be saints, we all have the same responsibilities and duties, the same priorities. If we'll just begin to do the duties of a saint and fulfill the responsibilities of a saint, a set-apart one, one called of God, one taken out of the world for specific duty or service or action, if we'll begin to do that in a general sense, how could I define that? I could just very quickly define that for you. It means you have an obligation to serve God. It means you've got to turn from sin, walk in righteousness. It means you have to fellowship. It means you have to give of your tithes and offerings unto the Lord. It means you have to soul, be a soul winner and, and tell others about what God has done for you. Someone says, I don't know what to say. Tell them He saved you, washed you by His blood. And you're born again. That's all I need to say. We're, we have obligations, we have responsibilities and duties to be faithful to the body ministry because we are a part of a corporate body. And we can go on and on. Study our Bibles daily. Well, as a matter of fact, let's look at the next one. Look at over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. We're all responsible to develop intimately with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Ghost. We're all responsible to have the kind of relationship God wants us to have with our mates and with our children. And we're responsible to work as unto the Lord and be an example where you work in your place of employment. To be a shining light and hold forth the word of life unto the people that are in darkness. We are responsible before God to be an example and a bright and shining light in a world of darkness. Those are our duties and responsibilities, some of them as a saint alone. If we're not actively involved in fulfilling those duties and responsibilities and, and duties, beloved, how is God going to bring you out specifically and say, I've got this now for you to do? Because when you get promoted to this office, it encompasses all the other responsibilities and duties that you already have as a saint, and then it puts more responsibility and duty on you. God does not reward us according to our office. He rewards us according to our faithfulness. I don't receive more of a reward because I stand in the office of a pastor. That does not mean I'll get more reward. Someone says, God's really going to give you a reward. No, that's not true. He'll reward me not according to the office, but according to my faithfulness to the office. So if you're called just to be one who's involved in, uh, let's say, sound technician, let's say mu music ministry, let's say watching the children in the nursery, let's say teaching a class out there, he rewards you not according to your office. He rewards you according to your faithfulness. 
So if you're up there saying, I wish I wasn't here. Is it my turn this week again? Oh, no. But Lord, use me. Well, you're complaining doing that. Why am I, if, I, if I told you to do this, it's going to demand more responsibility and duty. And you want to do that? Forget it. What I'm trying to bring out, beloved, if we're not faithful to the general purpose of God. In this scripture right over here, we've been called to fellowship. If we're not faithful to the general purpose of, of God, you can never surface to your specified position. In verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called. Called unto what? Generally speaking, we've all been called to fellowship. Called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's two main objectives in redemption is, number one, to bring us to a place of relationship. And when we are born again, we're brought into a place of relationship with God. But we've also been called, number two, unto fellowship, which is His second objective. He wants our fellowship. He wants us first and foremost to be in fellowship with Him. If we're not faithful to fellowship with Him intimately and personally, you know, every day through study of God's Word and through prayer, how can we be faithful to fulfill a higher calling? A higher only in the sense that we've got to do all the others and then something even more. See, it just means more responsibility and duty. Let's put it like this. Here you are working for a corporation and your position is right down here. And you've been there for five years. Now, they need somebody to move up to this position over here. And they look at you, and they go over your record, and they find out, well, he's been unfaithful. He's not done this. As a matter of fact, he's having a hard time doing the duties that we've given him over here. Now, when you move up to this level or this position, it demands more responsibility and duty. It's going to include all that you've got down here and then some. How can this man fulfill this office? He can't. He's not going to. He's not faithful down here. So you could hide your talents in a napkin, put them in the ground, and you're not going to get any results, no increase. Or you could use what you have that God has given to fulfill His general purpose and plan. And He sees that. Yes, you're going to be that faithful saint. You're going to fellowship Oh, this is the sweetest thing, beloved, with your Father. You're going to fellowship with the Son. You're going to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. And you're going to fellowship with saints. Those Christians that are out there that say, I don't need to be in church, are wrong. I don't mind telling you. They are wrong. You've been called to fellowship. And if you have fellowship with God, you have fellowship one with another. And that is so. That's just it. That's just what we've been called to. That's a part of our duty and responsibility, to love one another fervently. If we're not fulfilling that, how is he going to promote that person and put him in another office, a higher office? He can't do that. So, beloved, here I believe we have an understanding. We must, first of all, be faithful to fulfill all the requirements, duties, responsibilities of a saint called of God according to his purpose, which is what also, just quickly, back besides these other ones, go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. This has so been so abused and misused, this scripture. Called according to His purpose. God has a purpose. 
He saved us and has called us according to His purpose. That scripture is not talking about accidents, plane crashes and car accidents and, and, and whatever calamity that could come your way. It has nothing to do with it. That's as far from the truth as, as we're far from landing on Mars, you and I. We've been called according to the purpose of God. Called to fulfill His purpose in life. According to His grace. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. What's He called us to? Called us to be a saint. Called us in the fellowship. Called us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what, he called, that's what He's called us to. So if I'm not fellowshipping with the Father in the Word, by the prayer and the Spirit, and changing from glory to glory, if I'm not actively engaged and involved in fulfilling those duties and responsibilities, how in the world is He going to put more duty and responsibility on me? By saying, I want you to do such and such. I want you to do so and so. See, He can't. Although He wants to. That's why many have never entered into the phase of ministry that God has for them because they've not been faithful to do little. And the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. If thou be faithful in little things, he says, I'll make you a ruler over much. Didn't he say that? And that's what he means. You say, what would, what would you be doing right now? I would still be playing my guitar in that little old church unless God said go. I'd still be playing my guitar just doing that, just providing for my family, being a witness for Jesus and just fulfilling that that purpose right there, if that's all he'd had me to do. And I know that he'd bless me because of it. See, if we want to find the specifics, we've got to follow the general. And if we'll be faithful to the general, the specific will surface. Now, in Romans chapter 12, look at verse 3. In this particular chapter, Paul is talking about specific ministries. Specifics. In the body of Christ, the general purpose is the same for all. It's the same for all. Anybody here that's been blood washed knows you are a saint. You've been called to fellowship. You've been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus and you have certain duties and responsibilities that you must fulfill. And they're all the same. One says, I know the Lord wants me to, to give of my finances and to pay my tithes and offerings. Another one says, not me. Well, I don't care how a person wants to get, tries to get around it or what excuse they may have, beloved. Either you're a saint or you're an ain't. A saint will do it. An ain't won't. Someone says, can you really show me in the Scriptures where it says that we're supposed to give unto the Lord? Oh, it's very simple to give in the Scriptures, but I don't even need the Scriptures. If you give to Uncle Sam, you better give to God. Because Uncle Sam is not your God. But He takes off of you. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give unto God what is God's. Hallelujah. And if you pay your debts, you're going to pay your tithes. Because you owe God. What is it that we shouldn't pay our debt to God? We owe. Well, that was just thrown in. That's free. Free of charge. Don't charge you anything for that. I can't tell you how abundantly we've been blessed because we, we give up our tithes from the very beginning. Matter of fact, for some, maybe let me, let me help you. I don't know why we're on that, but we'll stay there just for a minute and meddle, if you don't mind. 
I'm thinking of some elderly person, and not here, and just not somewhere else, you know, I, when I, after I got saved, said, well, you know, I'm on a fixed income. I can't tithe. I said, you can't? said, no. said, you can tithe because you have a job. I said, I can't. said, yeah. said, well, because you work, you, can, you know, you make more money than I do. I said, well, what's 10% of $500? $50. I said, what's 10% of five? 50 cents. What's the difference? If you make more, you give more. If you make less, you give less. The amount has nothing to do with it. The principle is involved. And the principle is you give, no matter what you make. But I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. Because you're eating your own seed. You see, when you get a tomato, it's got seeds in it. You eat that tomato, no more seeds. They're all gone. You've consumed it upon your own lust. But if you break that tomato apart, don't even eat any of it. Start planting some seeds. You're going to get yourself a lot of tomato plants. You're going to have so many tomatoes, they're going to come out your ears. You're going to get full to overflowing. You're going to have more seeds to keep sowing. And before you know it, you're going to get tired of tomatoes. Well, the law of sowing and reaping works the same way. I don't care what income you have. If you'll just take 10% of it and say, Father God, I sowed this into your kingdom because I love you, He'll open up the wonder gates of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that you cannot possibly contain it all. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter how much. Then there's that concept, pay your bills first. You'll never pay your bills first. You might as well forget that one. And give God what's left over. I've heard that. That's called grace giving. No, that's not grace giving. Believe me. That's not grace giving. When we're at Tulsa, the only, you know how we got by and made it? Because we paid our tithes. We gave to God first. And then you know what? You say, did you have anything left over? Well, there were times we didn't have even food on our table. <coughs> Nothing. But I paid my debt. Well, did you pay the electric bill? Yeah. Well, did you pay the gas bill? Yeah. Well, did you have enough gas for the car? Almost. You paid your tithes, though, first. Yes, sir. Well, now, what are you going to do? You don't have much gas in your car. What are you going to do? You haven't paid your rent yet. Hello, Father. That's what I'm going to do. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And we did that. And you know what? He put gas in the car. He put food on the table. And he paid the rent. My brother and sister, this is just the way it is. There's no other way I can say it. Let me just share this thought with you. Because there are those that say, I'm a faith person. I don't borrow. You ever hear them? And they try to get on you because they're super faith. I think sometimes they come in church and put on this big, you know, like Superman does, this cape. <laughs> super faith. I don't borrow. Well, I guess they got this, I don't know where they get these teachings, but they get them. And we're going to stay on this for a while, so just hold on. We're going to meddle a little bit. And uh, I say, you don't borrow, huh? No. Faith person, huh? Yep. And by the way, did you have a little mortgage on this building that you, you, know, that you got over here? Well, yeah, we got a little mortgage on it. Oh, you're not a faith church. We're not? No. Don't you know you're not supposed to borrow? If you're a faith church, you wouldn't borrow. Oh. Well, I said there was once a woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, and this woman 
She didn't, she didn't have any way to pay, her debt, to pay her debt. Her husband was the son of a prophet, and he got killed. And now all she got left is her sons, and, they want to, and the creditors want to come and take the sons as bondmen. So she went to the prophet Elisha and said, what am I going to do? You know what he said? Go borrow. He did. You read it. He said, go borrow. Go borrow what? Go borrow vessels. Go out and borrow some vessels. Go out and buy yourself some vessels and get as many as you can. Go get them. So she went out. First step, number one, in getting her needs met was borrow. You might as well say amen or say oh me. <laughs> she, I mean, the prophet said it. Now, I can just see them folks saying, he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't. Elisha wasn't a prophet. You mean the Spirit of God didn't say go borrow? He said go borrow. She went out and borrowed. Besides for you, my brother and sister, you might have yourself a little, you know, how you're going to take care of your finances. You've got it all arranged up, you know. You've got yourself a, a program set up and your finances are just going to go this way and such and such, which is good. It's, it's, it's good to have, you know, have that. But when God provides for you, beloved, I'm telling you, He's going to go into the supernatural realm and provide for you because this natural realm just doesn't make it. He's got ways He's figured out to make oil multiply. He just took that oil, just, just poured it in. He, they poured it in. Filled it. He's not a counterfeit. He wasn't making dollar bills go up like that. You know, he wasn't making new currency. But he just said, pour that in. Poured it in. And just kept pouring it in. Filled up every vessel they possibly could get their hands upon all the way up to the brim. And the prophet said, step number two. After you borrow, step number two. Go sell. Borrow. Sell. Go sell. So, what did she do? She went out and sold. Then step number three, he said, pay your debt. So, she paid her debt. Paid all the creditors, every one of them. Paid off all her debts. And number four, live on the rest. Glory to God. Can you imagine that? Try to find that in Eve Hutton's book. <laughs> Glory to God. Can you imagine that? Did you borrow, sell, pay your debts? And live off the rest. She was set for life. It was so hard. It wasn't hard. She just touched the supernatural realm. She went to the right place. She went to the right source. See, we could have financial planning in our lives. But, beloved, this supersedes anything you can plan. And if you don't touch this realm when it comes to your finances, then you'll never understand the financier. He could multiply everything in our lives. I mean, this one of time lady had her spaghetti multiplied. This is the gospel truth. I mean, she did. See that? Sometimes, some, some people say, well, we're blessed because we have so much. No, sometimes I think you're blessed when you have nothing. You don't have anything. And all you, need, all you have to do, you have to do, see, you have to say, Father, I'm going to put this boiling water on, this water on the boil. All I got left is two little strands of spaghetti. I got to feed 14 people. And I want you to know that these 14 people know how to eat. <laughs> so bless it in Jesus' name. And you come back about, you know, 15 minutes later and that pot is full. And then when you start pouring out into their dishes, it just doesn't end. It just doesn't end. 
That's a good thought. If he can do it with oil, he can do it with spaghetti, huh? But do you see the point? It's so important that we understand this. You've got to get involved with God's program for finances. You've got to be obedient to do what God says to do and let Him figure out how He's going to get over the rest of you. You pay God first, I guarantee you He'll pay your bills. Forget that grace giving. Amen. See, you've been praying for boldness for me to preach it out. I'm just going to preach it. That's just the truth. Grace giving. Pay your bills and then give God what's left over. When you make God your leftover, beloved, you put them last. You say, but what am I going to do about the bills? I guarantee you, by God's holy word, when you give it to be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, run, o- run over, God will see to it that men give unto your bosom. Amen. Well, that was free. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 3. We all have been called to do the same thing, generally speaking, the general purpose of God. But we have not all been called to do the same thing specifically. I want us to understand this. Now, hear it, please. We've all been called to fulfill the general purpose of God, but we have not all been called to fulfill the same specific purpose. In verse 3, For I say, through the grace... There's that word. Remember it was in 2 Timothy 1.9, it was according to His grace. For I say... Through the grace given unto me. The grace that was given unto Paul that he's talking about right here was not given unto everybody. Did you know that? Because uh, another translation says, By virtue of my office, I tell every one of you. By virtue of my apostleship, I'm telling you. Now what is he doing when he's saying that? Paul is saying this. By virtue of the grace of God that was given to me to be an apostle, I'm telling you something. You know what that does? That makes him the general. And we have to take heed to what he's saying. Because God has given him something by his grace that he hasn't given you or me. And in the office that he's standing in, when he speaks by the inspiration of the Spirit of God then His calling puts Him above us in rank and we must submit to what He's saying. That's discerning the body of Christ. And here He's saying to them, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. This is very important. I want you to see it. Look at it in the Scriptures. Everyone that's among you, all of you that are fulfilling the general purpose of God, I'm saying this unto every single one of you. All of you. By the authority of my apostleship, whereunto I have been called and placed by God. I'm saying to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according. Now, we've been called according to his purpose. He's saying, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, I want to correct some things and maybe bring more light. Now, we've used that scripture to say, You know, he's given every man the measure of faith in a general sense. But that's really not what it's saying in context. We all have faith because we're born of God and and God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We know that. But in context, this scripture is saying to us, beloved, that God has dealt specifically to every man the measure of faith according to his calling. 
In other words, when He calls you and says to do such and such, that initiates your faith to do what He's called you to do. Do you see that? You don't have faith to stand in the office of an apostle if God didn't call you. So according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. In other words, if He wants you in the office of a pastor, He'll deal to you that measure. That is your calling. If He wants you to stand in the office of the psalmist, He'll deal to you the measure of faith to stand in that office. That's what He'll do. No matter what your office is. Now let's go on and we'll show that that's so. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Another translation says, Each of our body members have their own function. Now he's talking about the human body, and he's likening the human body, Christ to the human body. And he says, Our body has many members, but not all have the same office, or not all have the same function. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think as a member in the body of Christ. But remember that God has dealt to all of us the measure of faith to stand in the office whereunto He has called us. And the body of Christ is, is a unity of members made up of many parts. And we all have to fulfill the calling specifically He has for us by taking our place. Well, in verse 5... So we being many are one body in Christ. Now see, we're talking about discerning the Lord's body. For we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. I'm going to read that to you, both of these scriptures, or this is scripture from another translation. It says, each one of us, this is Norley's translation, each one of us being a part of the whole and mutually dependent on the other parts. We're all a part of the whole. And the whole, individually speaking, the whole, every one of us, we are fulfilling the general purpose of God. Well, we also are recognizing that God is dealing out to all of us the measure of faith to stand in the office where He's called us. So, as a vital part in that body... We are all dependent upon one another, mutually dependent upon one another. In other words, you need me. I've heard pastors say to, to some people, well, I don't need you, go ahead and go. That's a wrong attitude. Yes, you do need that person. I need every one of you. And you need me. We, need, we all, myself included, need the ministry of music. And worship. We need the ministry of the psalmist. We need the music ministry. But they need us. We are mutually dependent on one another. All of us. How many of you mothers out there right now that are enjoying this service feel you need the ones that are out there with your children right now? Hmm? Sure you do. You need them. But they need you. And that's what he's trying to get over to us, is that we all fulfill the same general purpose, but together as a corporate body specifically, we are dependent upon one another, just as a body depends upon every organ. And to work together, we must love one another and care for one another. And that's why he says we have to have the same care, one for another. Now, we don't have the same office, but we, have, we are members of one another, and we should care for one another. Go into verse 6 now. Having then gifts differing. 
having then gifts differing. See, he's not talking about just general faith in this passage. He's saying having then gifts that differ according to the grace. Now, notice that expression again. We've been called according to His purpose. Paul says, called according to God's grace. I am called of God according to His grace. We are saved, called with the holy calling, according to His purpose. Well, this purpose is the grace of God, that He has dealt to us the measure of faith by His grace to stand in our office. That's what he's talking about. We've been called according to His grace, according to His purpose. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Hold your place right there and find Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. And let's put the two together. This will be an eye-opener for, for all of us. In Romans 12.6, he says we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let's look at that again. Let's read it again. But unto every one of us, unto every one of us, not some of us, but unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, when Christ ascended, he goes on to say he gave gifts unto men. Well, going back to Romans 12, he gave gifts unto men. But he didn't give all men the same gift. We all have gifts differing. And for me to stand in my office, I had to have a gift. The gift, the ministry gift of, of the calling to be a pastor. I could not stand in this office without the gift. God does not place men in the office I mean, men as gifts. I'm not your gift. But the gift He has given for me to stand in the office. What He has placed in the body is a gift. Do you see that? It doesn't matter who, what my name is or who I am. If you go anywhere else and find a pastor who's called an anointed, he also has the same gift. Do you see what I'm saying? He's saying right over here, we all have the same, or we, we, we don't have the same office it's going to be according to the measure of the gift that God gives us. So, verse 12, verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. If you, in other words, you don't have faith to stand in this office where you have a ministry of prophecy. That's not talking about generally speaking. You can all prophesy. I can prophesy right now. You can all prophesy out there. You know, that's generally speaking. He's not talking about that. He said, if, you, if you've been called of God for a specific purpose and you have a ministry here, uh, you know, this gift that you're used in prophecy, you're going to do it according to the measure of faith. You see that? Not, that's why the Bible says not everybody speaks with tongues and interprets. He's not talking about generally speaking. He's talking about callings and gifts. Not everybody in the church is going to stand up and speak with other tongues and, and, and interpret that, that message. I'm talking about as a ministry. But that everybody in the church in their own prayer life, private prayer life, should be speaking in tongues, interpreting your tongues, and prophesying. If you're not, you're not flowing with the general purpose of God concerning spiritual gifts. But even though we all may do that in our private prayer life, that doesn't mean when you come to church, God has given you the gift. See, it's according to the measure of the gift of Christ to stand up and give a message. There's a different 
anointing that comes upon you at that time. If you're faithful to the general, you may be used that way. But if not, how's he going to call upon you? In other words, how is he going to exalt your, your office? He's not going to be able to do that. I'll read another translation. This is the New English Bible. Verse 6. The gifts we possess differ as they are allotted to us by God's grace and must be exercised accordingly. See, we're not talking in a general sense now. He's talking more specifically. More specifically. Now, we've talked about these here ministry, these ministries that are in the body, but we have to have understanding concerning them. We have to realize that He is the one that points out those to stand in certain offices, gives them the gift according to His grace. You then become responsible, not just for being a saint, but also you become responsible for the gift. Now, I'm going to show what that means. Just because you speak with tongues and uh, have interpreted in your own private prayer life or that sort of thing at home and you come to church and just feel that I'm going to just do this and when you come to church maybe you've been busy all week maybe you've not had time to get into prayer like you wanted to and even before you came to church you didn't so you just came unprepared unready but there was a beautiful move of the spirit you know and you just going to just blurt it out well, if you keep that up, you're not faithful to God. Because if He's given you the gift, you are responsible to be in the Spirit. Oh, I wish I could prophesy like that in church. Well, then you better be responsible. Don't just think you can come to church and just blurt it out. Along with that gift comes responsibility. I'm not going to stand up here and teach. Like, you know, you know I had one minister say to me? Well, brother, if you're a minister, you should be able to... It doesn't matter what you do like on a Saturday or anything. It doesn't matter what you do during the week. If you're a true minister, you should be able to go stand up and preach. Just open up the Bible at random. Get a scripture and a text. Look at it from the pulpit. And you should just be able to go up there and preach for 45 minutes without any practice or any, any preparation. I said, is that right? Yeah. If you're really a preacher. Well, that, that fellow's not going to last. That's not the truth. God doesn't put people. He gives gifts. You're responsible for that gift. You're responsible to fulfill the duties that go along with that gift. And if I want used in that way, I better stay home. And I better prepare. And I better study to show myself approved to God. And I better make sure that I pray. And I better make sure that I stay in tune with the Spirit so that when I come up here, the anointing of that gift will come on me and I'll speak by utterance in the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, I'll stand up here and blow a lot of hot air out at you. And that's all there is to it. You know. Do you see that? Well, you want to be used of God? That means more responsibility and duty. That's what it means. If you want to be used of God, there's more for you to do. You say, but you know, it's so hard on me now. Well, then don't want to be used of God. Because I tell you right now, you're going to have a whole lot more on your shoulders as far as responsibility and duty goes. Because, you see, you'll find out that if you're going to, God's going to use you in the service to give tongues, interpretation of tongues or prophecy, you better be sure that you're in the Spirit a couple hours before you get up there. Do you see that? You just can't go on yesterday's manner. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. And then the anointing will come on you. 
to stand in that office. Well, as you read on right on through this, let's just read right through now. Or verse 7. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. He that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now notice in verse 9, he begins to show that the, he's not talking just about the, just love itself. He's talking about brotherhood. He's talking about the body working together in Christian brotherly love. He's talking about the, the body being joined or united together in love, hot-heated love, fervent love. We'll see as we read this. Fervent love so that when we come together, we are so concerned and we care so much for one another that we are ready in the Spirit, that we have studied to show ourselves approved unto God, that we have prepared ourselves to come together and be a blessing. A lot of people come wanting to be blessed. But those that are called to stand in any office better come to be a blessing. That means you're going to come prayed up, studied up, filled up, and ready to go. You can't take natural talents and just think because it comes on me sometimes, it's going to come on me if I don't do anything. And he's saying here, let love, look at verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Or don't let, let it not be disguised. Be kindly, or abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. He's talking about in ministry. If we could just give some, some definitions. Let love be undisguised. Detest evil and be glued or cemented to that which is good. Love, honor, esteem, and be loyal to one another in brotherly love. Let love be God's crucible as you give your life to service for God. Let love be the atmosphere or the environment or God's crucible or melting pot so that when you come together, all that God has given you, you are using for that person's good. The gift is not given to bless you. The gift is given to make you a blessing to somebody else. Along with the gift comes duty and responsibility. Now, just, just quickly, look at, go on back to Ephesians chapter 4 once again. Here the apostle, once again in verse 7 and 8, we'll read both these together now. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Notice it's according to the measure of the gift that he's given you. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. Now, we're not talking in general terms now. Please listen. We are talking in specifics. We've all been called, generally, to be a saint, to be conformed to the image of Jesus, and to, to, to enter into fellowship, and to be intimately acquainted with the Father, all of that, to fellowship with one another. But he's saying now he also gave gifts unto men for a specific purpose. These are called out for even specified action. Alright? And he says, He gave gifts unto men in verse 11, and He gave some apostles. Not everybody's an apostle. Paul said, I'm an apostle, not by the will of, will of man, nor by flesh. Man didn't make me an apostle. But by the will of God, as, uh, He has called me according to His grace. He has given me the measure of the gift of Christ as being an apostle. Alright? And he says, He gave some apostles, He gave some prophets, He gave some evangelists, He gave pastors and teachers. Alright, for what purpose did he give these gifts? Why are these gifts in the corporate body of Christ? For what purpose? He tells you in the next verse. For the perfecting of the saints. 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If we don't understand the operation of the body of Christ, if we don't discern the ministry gifts, if we don't have a proper understanding of the function of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the saints will never be perfected. The work of the ministry will never be done. The body of Christ will never be built up. That's what he's saying here. That's why he gave these gifts. He doesn't say he gave men. It says he gave gifts unto men. Those gifts are according to the measure of the gift of Christ, according to His grace. And when that gift comes to you, let's put it this way. It's so important, beloved, that we hear. You could do a thousand things for God and you'll miss out on 999. Those 999 are wrong. God has got a general purpose and then He's got a specific for your life. It's important for you and me as a believer to get the specific. Find out what it is by flowing with the general. Find out what that specific is. Why? Because the perfecting of the saints depend upon it. Depends on it. The edifying of the body of Christ. What is the goal of these ministry gifts? What's the goal? What's the aim? It tells you in the next verse, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we don't longer be children. So that we're no longer tossed to and fro, carried out by my winds of doctrines. Everything that comes along, a new wave, Christians fall. Spiritual children, they're easily swayed by that. Did you hear what that fellow's preaching down there? Oh my goodness, he says, you don't have to pay your tithes. We're going to follow him. <laughs> and get swept out in the sea. That's right. Sure. They want ears tickled. But beloved, well, very quickly, because we're running short here. He gave gifts unto men for this purpose. And he goes on to, to really show, he brings us all together in love so that the body of Christ wouldn't be children. But then in verse 16, so the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body to edify itself in love. But let's back up. Let's go quickly because we're running out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is discerning the Lord's body. This is so important. In verse 28. Well, let's start with verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ. Now ye are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You have your own part is what he's saying. And God has set... Christ gave gifts. God has set some in the church. Now, let's listen with open ears. First, who? That means in God's order of rank, who's on the top of the list? Huh? True apostles. Two, secondarily, who? Prophets. Thirdly, teachers. That's enough. Let's stop right there. One, two, three. One, two, three. Apostles, prophets, teachers. Who is an apostle? An apostle, according to the Bible, is a sent one. And he is sent to do what? According to the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, Ephesians 2.20, an apostle lays the foundation. An apostle is a foundation layer. Paul said, you're, you're there real quick. Go back to the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. Verse 10. 
10. Notice this expression again. According to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise... What does he mean now by the grace of God given unto him? He's not talking about unmerited favor. He's talking about according unto the grace of God given to me by the measure of the gift of Christ to be an apostle. Look at this. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Why did he say that? Because in Ephesians 2.20, it says that we are a spiritual house built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Remember reading that? Number one, the apostle lays the foundation. Number one, doctrine-wise, a wise master builder, in doctrine, we have to follow the apostles' doctrine. Number two, by receiving the Holy Ghost. This book, I don't care what any denomination says, beloved, was written to Pentecostals. You might as well say amen. Every church established by the Apostle Paul, he laid the foundation. He got them all tongue-talking. That's the truth. He, the Apostle, laid the foundation. It's the church is built upon the foundation of the Apostle. Don't be, lay again the, the, the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Paul laid that. A apostle is a foundation layer. A wise master builder lays a foundation. And the doctrine we're to adhere to is the doctrine of the apostle that was given the revelation by Jesus Christ who was born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer. Period. Do you see that? He laid the foundation. What does the prophet do? The prophet is a gift of inspiration and revelation. He hears directly from God in, in a divine way. In, 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 a, in a Standing between two worlds, he directly hears from God in a direct way. When we ignore the foundation that was laid by the Apostle Paul concerning doctrine and the Holy Ghost, and we ignore the prophet, the prophet... You have heard me since I've come to this church. You have heard me quote Kenneth E. Hagin time and time again to where I thought some people was going to say that's all he does is quotes Kenneth E. Hagin. Well, beloved, I am quoting the prophet's ministry. The prophet receives direct divine revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And if you'll read his material, you'll find out he said, Jesus told me. Jesus told me. They didn't believe Paul was an apostle. He, 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 you know, he himself had to, to, to have them believe that he was an apostle. He had to defend his own apostleship. They didn't believe it. Well, most people don't believe in the body of Christ that Brother Hagin's a prophet. But believe me, when you leave the apostle out, who is number one, and you don't take the revelation given to the, to the prophet in the body of Christ, you have severed yourself from the Holy Ghost. Because, you see, you don't have the anointing of the prophet. God set him in the church as a prophet to stand between two worlds to give divine, direct revelation to us in the church as a gift. It's not Kenneth Hagin. It's the gift of the prophet. So let's put this, put it this way. Thirdly, teachers. Any teacher who ignores the teaching ministry of the prophet, Kenneth Hagin, is severing his ministry from the Holy Ghost. 
He is not discerning the Lord's body. He's not standing in the office properly as God called him. That's why as a pastor, teacher, I bring into this church ministry the prophet's ministry and the apostle's ministry. That's why you'll hear me quote Kenneth E. Hagin. What do you think these fellows did? When they went from church to church, they said, the apostle Paul said, and Paul said, The revelation I have I received not of man, neither was it given to me by man, but by direct revelation of Jesus Christ. So Brother Hagin stands between two worlds and he says, Jesus appeared to me and told me and said. I talk to a lot of pastors. You know what they say? I don't believe it. I don't believe that. Yeah, well, don't. And die. And many have. Many have. Why? They weren't discerning the Lord's body. Premature death. As a matter of fact, Jesus told Brother Hagin one time, you tell that pastor, if he, don't, if he don't listen to your ministry, he's rejecting me. That's just it. The body of Christ has never really discerned a fivefold ministry properly. I mean that, beloved. Any pastor in any church who is not listening to the apostles and prophets of today, I mean genuine, I'm not talking about those that call themselves prophets talking about the genuine prophet of the day, is severing his ministry from the Holy Ghost. He's not discerning the, the, the Lord's body and is endangering himself and his congregation, thinking that he knows it all. Believe me, we don't know it all. But these gifts were given to the church for what purpose? For the edifying of the, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith. Well, where are you at? And we'll close with this scripture. Where are you at? In, in, look at the first one last scripture. First Corinthians chapter nine. I want you to recognize that the apostle Paul founded the Corinthian church. An apostle has the anointing to establish churches. Once the church got established, he set elders over the church to see over the church. He stayed there for a while, then he set elders to oversee the church. Other teachers came in, and they were teaching a lot of silly things. And he had to write letters of correction to them time and time again. In this one letter, we have two here. There's at least two more known of. But in this letter here, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not an apostle? He's not talking about himself, uplifting himself. Am I not an apostle? And God said in the church, first, primary, first, apostles. Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? My work in the Lord. In other words, I established that church. I laid the foundation. I gave you sound doctrine. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are you in the Lord. I founded that church. That's what he's saying. I came and laid the foundation of that assembly. You were to build upon it wisely. Now, you can build foolishly or wisely. And he says, and when I left, you began to build foolishly upon the foundation. And that's why I'm writing back to you again and telling you. You know what he told the church, the Galatian churches? 
I'm an apostle. He said, I founded the churches over there and now you've been removed from the... I'm so amazed that so soon you've been removed from the doctrine that I've given unto you. You've been removed to another gospel if it yet be another gospel. Remember he said that? Who had bewitched you people, he said. They weren't listening to the apostle. Then he got real puffy and said, well, who are you, Paul? They did not recognize his office. Do you see that? Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.